0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, thanks for having us back. It is great to be here with y'all this morning. Uh, Our absence, thanks to COVID, has been uh, far too long. It's been about uh, two years. Uh, But y'all are such a sweet church. You really really are. Uh, uh, We haven't seen you in two years, and, and you just greeted us this morning like we'd been here last week. Um, and you're, you're just really, really special. And during these uh, 700 or so days of absence, just know that we have prayed for you every day. Uh, you've been out of sight but not out of mind and lifting you up, and we're praying and pulling for you in, uh, here in the U.S., and we know you're praying and pulling for us in the in the Middle East. You're just our second church stop since uh, returning to the U.S. last weekend. Uh, we started in Buffalo Last weekend, it was five degrees and mountains of snow, mountains, and this is a whole lot better. So we wanted to come today, first of all, uh, just to thank you for your prayers and your generous investments as we see God's kingdom come upon the Middle East. As we said during Sunday school, right now we are seeing the biggest move of God in history across the planet. Did y'all know that? Anybody see that on Fox or CNN? (laughs) Uh, um, I just don't think there's any TV show we have access to that that talks about the good things God is doing. And we love to come back from the nations and share what God is doing uh, and, and to encourage you. Right now, we are seeing disciples and churches multiplying across the region. We've been frontline missionaries for almost 20 years now. We're in our eighth year in the Middle East. And, and friends, we have just never seen anything like it. Since we were last together, uh, our little team, we've planted more than 144 churches in Iran. Fastest growing Christian country in the, in the world. Um, we baptized over 600 Muslims just last year. Just before coming back, we had 10 baptisms. We have 10 more lined up, ready to go. We have 25 new Muslim followers of Jesus ready for discipleship. We had four Yazidi just accept Jesus in the refugee camps. Twenty, twenty-two is off to a great start. And what I want you to know is this is your victory. This is yours. These are crowns you, Christ the Redeemer, can lay at the feet of Jesus because we're one team. We're at the tip of the spear, but you're the engine driving it, keeping us in the field. And praying for us. This is your victory. You're part of what God is doing in the nations. In the nations, 41% of the world still has no access to the gospel. And we're working on that. There is one missionary for every 405,500 Muslims in the world. So Stacy and I have 811,000 Muslims on our hands. We need a big team. But actually, our target zone, our team goal... Uh, is from Tehran, Iran, to Latakia, Syria, 877 miles, 35 million unreached Muslims. That's what we're going after with you having our backs. And only 3% of all missionaries go to the Islamic world with 1.9 billion souls. So thank you for sustaining us in the field. Nobody pays us. You make it possible. And to be there during this incredible time. And friends, we have this window of opportunity right now. God is moving. It's open. The harvest is here. We've been praying for the last seven and a half years there for harvest to come. It's here. Uh, But you make it possible for us to be there because the harvest is now when we're pressing in. Just uh, if you want to keep pressing in with us, uh, the infomercial, we have prayer cards here in the back. Please. Prayer strikes the winning blow. Ministry is just cleaning up the results. When we are baptizing and discipling and planting churches in the Middle East, we are just cleaning up the result of your prayer. It's your prayer that does it. Uh, since you're just the second church to visit this year, you're, you're first to receive the 2022 fridge magnet. Okay, take one. And we have envelopes in the back. Uh, 100% of what comes in goes right out to the refugees. Uh, right now it's winter; they're cold. Uh, fifteen dollars—they show up in camp, refugee camp, with um, the clothes on their backs. So fifteen dollars gets them a coat, um, and we have thousands and thousands to get coats to. All right, I think we need some some good news. It's been a little wonky these last two years, right? I said during Sunday school, I—you know—I come back from the Middle East, and I wanted—and the U.S. is just so crazy right now. I want to go back to the Middle East where it's sane and rational. You, you know, we, we still only have two genders there. I mean, that's a. You know. Okay. All right, so let's have some good news today. I want to hit on good news. What, what is the good news that Jesus announced? He came to proclaim good news. What, what is the good news? He told his disciples to go out and proclaim the good news. Well, what was that good news? Well, what were the Jewish people waiting for? What were they waiting for? They were waiting for something. They weren't sitting around asking each other, what's going to happen to us when we die? That wasn't their question, right? Their question was, when is the king coming? When is the king and his kingdom coming? That is the good news of the gospel. That's the heart of it. The king and his kingdom have come. In today's gospel, Luke, Jesus is preaching on his kingdom. And it's what he talked about the most. Kingdom is mentioned 160 times in the New Testament. The good news is that God promised that one day he himself would come, not a new Moses. He would come in person and lead his people from captivity into freedom, a new exodus into a new creation. And the king and his kingdom have come. God's done it in Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel. And it's good news because the kingdom is what heals all the brokenness in the world. The kingdom can heal all the brokenness in our country. It heals our alienation from God, it heals our alienation from each other, and it solves the brokenness in our world. Not perfectly until Jesus comes again, but a whole lot better. You know, our Yazidi refugee camp, when we first started with them, these were the, the Yazidi were the ones genocided by ISIS. And you remember they're the ones on the mountaintop the US military had to rescue and get them off when ISIS was chasing them up? Um, those are all the people we work with. They were all on that mountain. And then they come into these uh, refugee camps where they get a battered old tent, no electricity, no heat, no fan in the summer, 125 degrees in a tent with no fan in the summer, in the teens in the winter with no heat, no food, no access to decent medicine, and and, uh, the suffering that they have been through. You know, they saw ISIS kill their family members in front of them. We have we have women who saw their husbands and all their sons killed in front of them and then they were taken into slavery and sold off to ISIS to ISIS to ISIS. We have 10-year-old girls who for five years were sold between ISIS members and made their wives. And so when we we walked into camp, I'm telling you, it's the most hopeless place. I, I can't there's two things I've never been able to describe to Americans in 20 years of doing this. One is nothing. We have no concept of nothing. We don't know what that looks like, people who have nothing. And the other one is what does total hopelessness look like? Everybody in camp had just given up. They were breathing, but they weren't living. It was dark. But the Christ followers got in there and got to work and started loving and serving and caring for them. And today, friends, i tell you, I can walk into camp with my eyes closed and feel the difference. I hear laughter. I see smiles. There's hope. There's joy. We have about 40 of our orphans from ISIS now in university and college. Life is coming back to them. And what is that? It's because the kingdom of God has come upon them. You can feel it. Christ's followers got in there and got to work, and his kingdom is coming upon them, and it's changing everything. Jesus focuses, his mission is his kingdom. Now, a kingdom always has three things. It has a, follow me here. So it has three things. It has a pattern to it. In other words, uh, any new administration has a a pattern of values. Uh, If a a coach takes over a a new football team and and he says... uh, we're going to work on discipline. I know the last coach wasn't into discipline, but I'm into discipline. It's a new kingdom, a new administration. I'm bringing in a new set of values. Follow me? Change in administration, change in values. Jesus is bringing a change in administration, okay? Secondly, a kingdom, it has power to, to implement those values. And then there's always a product, thirdly, okay? So there, there are, there's values, there's a pattern, there's power, and then there's a result. There's a, a, a product. That, mean that the, means that the, the new way that we're, we're implementing is going to change things. It's going to have an effect. You know, we're going to find out when this new coach gets into power and puts his program into place, will the team win? Will the players reach their full potential? The jury is still out on UT. Sorry, I'm pandering to the Aggies out there today. All right. So Jesus today in verses 20 through 23 is showing us the pattern and the power and the product of his kingdom. And then in verses 24, 26, he's showing the kingdom that he's replacing. And, and this is all a big introduction to what he's going to say in the Sermon on the Mount. See, Jesus is laying out that there are, there are two kingdoms colliding right now. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. And one thing we need to make sure we keep in mind is that we're either a citizen of one or the other. Paul says in Colossians 3.1, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the Son he loves. That's what Jesus does. He brings us into his kingdom of light. So let's look briefly in our time here at the first one, the old kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus is overthrowing. And then let's look at his kingdom, the new one. We'll we'll call the old one the the right-side-up kingdom. And then the new one, the upside-down kingdom. Because everything in his kingdom is completely upside-down. All right. So the right-side-up kingdom, the old kingdom. Every kingdom has values. You know, some values are up here, some are down there. These are good. That's what kingdom administrations say. These are good things. All right. And then these are bad things. These are things we avoid. In the kingdom Jesus is replacing, here's what we have. What's at the top? Power, comfort, success, recognition. Secondly, you who are well-fed. Okay, material comfort, nice clothes, great restaurants, beautiful home. We have comfort. Thirdly, it says, you who laugh. Uh, the word for laugh here is a negative word. The Greek scholars will tell you it means to, uh, uh, to gloat. Okay? It's not talking about a joke, it's about gloating. All right? And lastly, all men speak well of you. Recognition, popularity, celebrity, acceptance. See, the, the right side kingdom, the, the kingdom Jesus is replacing is all about the now. Get what we need now. All right? But Christ followers, we look to the future, we take a big view, we take an eternal view. Paul tells us this morning, if we have stopped, if we have hoped only in Christ, only in this life, we are the people most to be pitied. So we're looking at the big picture. We're looking at the kingdom that is coming. All right. Now let's look at the upside-down kingdom. Following Jesus, and that's what he says to do, is follow him. Right? He didn't say, make a decision about me. He didn't say, like me. He didn't say, admire me. And he says this to each one of us here. He says one word to each one of us here. Follow me. 30% of Muslims who come in the kingdom come from a dream or a vision of Jesus. We know these people. They're our friends. We work with them. You know? And it's great when he does that because all you have to do is just land the plane. They'll pray for more of that. I mean, You do not need a slick gospel presentation. They have met Jesus. Just land the plane. It's real easy. You, you, you can't mess it up. Okay. He says one word to them when he comes to them. It's transfiguration, Jesus. Right? It's revelation. They see the same Jesus. He's big and he's white. <laughs> and he says all the time across the world, he says to them, every single one of them, what he says is, follow me. Follow me. And he says that to each one of us. Don't decide about me. Don't like me. Don't admire me. Follow me. Follow me. Following Jesus then means we reverse our values. So let's look at the pattern, the power, and the product of his kingdom. We together? Okay, he's bringing in a new kingdom. He's bringing in a new administration. All right. The pattern, the pattern of his upside down kingdom, it's a reversal of values with regards to the world. In other words, Christ followers, if we're following, we're no longer controlled by the things that the world says are so essential. We're not controlled by power or success. We're not controlled by comfort or recognition. We're not controlled by by money or the need for security. The kingdom never advances by people who are worried about security and comfort. Iran, the fastest growing Christian country in the world, if our women are caught there, they are raped and killed. But they're living in the upside down kingdom now. That's not their concern. So that's the first mark of somebody who's living in his kingdom. And, And where does that come from? Notice how all the way through Jesus says, blessed are those of you who weep now. Blessed are those who hunger now. Now you're weeping. Now there's something going wrong in your life. But you're blessed. And that word blessed, it doesn't mean happy. It means deeply satisfied deeply satisfied. So Jesus says a follower of his is somebody who can weep and still be blessed. A person who lives under the old kingdom, you know, if you lose your job, you lose your reputation, blessedness and weeping can never go together. But in his kingdom, they do because there's a blessedness that doesn't have to do with our circumstances. When people hate and exclude you, rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven. These things don't control you anymore. That's the. You see that? That's the reversal. You know, I I I live in northern Iraq. We have a war every eighteen months. Um, uh, I've been on Al Qaeda's top ten to kill list. You know, do do I look clinically depressed? (laughs) I feel this blessedness, this contentment from Him. It's not about my circumstances. That's the reversal. Now, where do we get the power for this? You know, if Jesus came only as an example of reversing the world's values, he wouldn't be any power to us. He he would just be kind of a burden. You know, you'd say, oh, brother, I'm supposed to be that generous? Oh, man, I'm supposed to be willing to do all these things? I can't do that. It would just be a burden. Can't do it. If he was an example. And the gospel isn't that Jesus reverses people's fortunes. Um, we don't see him becoming weak to make people strong. We don't see him becoming poor to make people rich. Why can he say, "Though you are weeping now, you will rejoice." Why? Because he took the weeping we deserved. He took the darkness on himself. Why can he say, "You will be comforted." Why? Because he was utterly abandoned. You know? Why can't why can he say, you will be satisfied? Because he was totally forsaken on the cross. Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why can he say these things? Because you can, you can have a reversal because you have his reversal. He took our place. He put, he put you where he deserved to be before the throne of God, accepted and beloved, and he put himself where we deserve to be. Cast out. Do you get that? We can do this reversal because he did the reversal first. Christ followers, um, we don't care because we said, well, my money, it's nice to have it. My privacy, it's nice to have it. My comfort, it's nice to have it. My security, yeah, that's nice. But I'm going to live like Jesus. I'm going to follow him because of who I am before him. I'm not controlled by these things. They don't control me, so I'm able to live in a way that the world will, be, will consider reckless because I'm poor in spirit, not middle-class American in spirit. I'm poor in spirit. I'm following Jesus. Jesus. We read in Jeremiah seventeen eight For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and does not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. That applies during COVID, too. We don't cease to yield fruit. A Christian will have such strength in Christ that, that by the world standards, a Christ follower is going to look reckless and is not afraid of weeping and is not afraid of sacrifice because we know the kingdom of God makes progress in our lives and the lives of other people when this happens. So what's the product? What's the product? What happens when our, our hearts are changed and when lives are changed and we have the power of the gospel in us? Well, people... In communities are transformed. Like I said at the beginning, the kingdom of God changes everything. It heals everything we broke in the fall. We're reconciled to God because we see God working in our weakness and brokenness. We have joy because we realize we can't save ourselves. We can't be good enough. There's joy in that. You know? That's why Muslims are fussy. is because they don't know how good is good enough? You understand that? They're always trying to do things, but they don't know the answer. They're not going to find out till they die. So they're praying, and they're doing this, and they're giving, and they're going to Mecca. And all this is, is they're, they're just trying to earn up points, being good and good and good, but they don't know how good is good enough. We rejoice because Jesus is good enough. He's done it. He's done it. We rejoice in our weakness because it's by God's grace and goodness that we come into his kingdom. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, for the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, calamities, for when I am weak, I am strong. You see that? That's how we can have joy and contentment and blessedness. We don't have to try. We don't have to earn. Jesus did it for us. We just have to follow so we're not controlled by we're not controlled by money or security. Jesus is our security. True? He's our security. We know by his faithfulness on the cross that we can trust him completely so we can give radically. You know, the world says, don't give that much, it's reckless. Better keep that in your 401k. Save it for a rainy day. Yeah. We have new values. We've been flipped upside down. We've been reversed. We have new priorities and a new power that keep us from living in fear. We don't live in fear in the Middle East at all. ISIS doesn't bug me. We live in a new kingdom. We can go boldly to the least and the lost. We can risk our comfort and security, risking that we might get hurt emotionally, because our priorities are Jesus' priorities. We go where he goes and we do what he's doing. We're following him. That's where the contentment comes from. You know, if you're struggling with a joy deficit right now, I know people are anxious, maybe a little lack of joy. The the antidote to that is follow Jesus. It's just who are you living for? If you're living for the 401k if you're living for the house if you're living for the job if you're living for relationships all that stuff's going to let you down right stock market had a bad week my wife is acting crazy she says i'm acting crazy who are we living for if we're living for him and following him there is joy and contentment jesus and his kingdom are the good news And he he comes with his kingdom to fix everything we broke. So the question for us, friends, is, is which kingdom are you living in? There's a kingdom of light and a kingdom of darkness. Can you tell by the values you're living by? Can you tell by what you're living, what are you living for? Can you tell by the power that is in you and the results that you're seeing, the effect Can you see it? Do you see the fruit? Do you see the change? If you're not, I have really good news for you. Jesus is just waiting for you with open arms. He's asking you to follow him and enter into his kingdom of light. He's waiting there right for you with arms wide open. If you've been living this way, come follow me. He's right today. That's good news. That's good news, right? Isn't that good news for friends and neighbor and family who are living this way with these burdens, with these things that aren't giving life, and to follow the one who just gives contentment and gives life? Here in the U.S., friends, you know, right now, we need more than anything else a gospel-driven, spirit-led kingdom breakout. Agree? Like I, can, I can tell you this from the Middle East. There is, no, there is no political solution to the Middle East. There is no diplomatic solution to the Middle East. There is no military solution to the Middle East. We tried it all. Any of that work? How did Afghanistan go? God loved the men and women who served there and sacrificed there. You know, the only solution is the gospel of the kingdom. I see it every day. We see people, like we're a young country, we don't, we don't get a lot of things, like we're 300 years old. We have people like who are, their, their people groups are 8,000 years old, and they hate each other. And they've hated each other for 8,000 years. And the first thing they'll do if they get the chance is fight and kill each other. I mean, they just hate each other. And we see them, a Muslim follower of Jesus and a Yazidi follower of Jesus, praying for each other, praying together. The gospel is the only thing that's doing that. The gospel of the kingdom, that is the solution. If you're frustrated by the situation in the U.S. right now, the answer is God's kingdom. How does God's kingdom come? It will happen through disciples, apprentices of Jesus, following him, obeying him, leading others into this kingdom of light. And friends, I can just tell you, like, what do I live for? Seeing the transforming power of Jesus come on somebody who is broken, it is the greatest thing in the world. It is addictive. Once you start doing it, you can't stop it. Right? To see the transforming power of Jesus and love come upon a whole community, it is the most awesome thing to see. That will get you out of bed in the morning. That will fix your joy deficit. We can fix your joy deficit right now. Making followers of Jesus, who make followers of Jesus, is how we bring God's kingdom to bear on all the world's problems. The kingdom come. The kingdom is not a place. It's wherever the definition, the word in the New Testament is. The kingdom is wherever the king is obeyed. So wherever Jesus is Lord, follow the logic. Wherever Jesus is Lord and disciples are living under his lordship, obeying, following him, his kingdom comes with its blessings. You get that? Did you follow the logic? The kingdom comes, the blessings of the kingdom, reversing all the brokenness of the fall, all that Jesus wants to do comes upon us when disciples are following him. It comes through obedience to him. Isn't that good news? There's a way forward, there's a way through this. It's right in front of us. We know what we need to do. And, and you, Christ the Redeemer, you can become a center of, of renewal in God's kingdom here in North Texas. Do you believe that? You can. It just, it just takes one. It just takes one. I said in Sunday school, um, the, one of the biggest moves of God right now is happening in Indonesia, world's largest Muslim nation. The numbers are within a generation. It will be majority Christ follower. It's, it's crazy what's going on there right now. What's happening there has reached six countries from it. All of that started with one American who went there and prayed and fasted. One. I see more than one today. You've gotten bigger since we were here last time. Yeah. You can do it. North Texas, the U.S., needs Renewal. It needs a breakout of the kingdom of God, and you can bring that in. And you, you have all you need. You don't need a consultant. You don't need a DVD set. You don't need a cool Facebook page. Right? You have everything you need to do that right now, right here. You have the message of the gospel of the kingdom. You have the word. You have the Holy Spirit. You have all authority. How much authority did Jesus give you? Okay, it's, so I looked that work up, word up in the Greek, all, it's really complicated. It means all. <laughs> Just think about that for a second. If you're a baptized follower of Jesus, you have all of his authority. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, he holds the, he holds the universe together in the power of his little pinky. He's given you that. He's given you all authority, all power. You have it already. Proclaim the kingdom. Manifest the kingdom. Push back the kingdom of darkness. Bring in the kingdom of light. Make disciples who make disciples. You can do it. You have what you need. Just have to do it. God's waiting to move with you. And if you do that, as our psalm says, you will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season during covid And its leaf does not wither. And whatever you do, Christ the Redeemer, you shall prosper. You shall prosper. Christ the Redeemer, if you follow Jesus and proclaim his gospel of the kingdom and make disciples who bring his kingdom and change lives and change this community around here, you will prosper. And it will be so exciting. It will be so beautiful. It'll be what you live for. And it will fill you with joy and contentment. I want that for you more than anything else, to know that joy and that commitment, that contentment of seeing his kingdom come. Amen.